Well, everyone, it is your favorite time of this podcast, me talking about Manscaped. Don't forget, you can get the perfect package 3.0 kit that comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 and the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. In that kit, these guys here have said it's an amazing, they're amazing products. Oh, yeah. The Preserver. Whew, what a product. <laughs> What is it preserving? Just out of curiosity, I don't. I don't myself have. Uh, you didn't get a kit. I don't have a kit. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Wow, you really got the short end of the stick. <laughs> you know? uh, it's preserving the crops. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but uh, don't let that stop you. Keep going. Well. At the end of the day, supporting our partners is supporting us. So definitely use the code DNVR20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Scott. Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast. There we go. Presented by Breckenridge Brewery. I do not have a Breck brew in front of me, but Drew does. Oh, baby. Drew, Look at that. You got to get yourself a strawberry sky and make an RK special. Oh, I can make that happen. I could go grab one right now and we could, we could do that live. I feel have you had it yet? yet? I haven't done it. So Let's we could do, do that live. Let's yeah. do it. All right. You can also a- just do the. You could do the Drew Creaseman no. special and, and mix them in your stomach after the fact. That's, not, that's less fun for the people. <laughs> I go, want the reveal. Go get it, Drew. We'll right. keep talking about Breck Brews. If you haven't heard of RK, the RK special. Ryan, why don't you tell the lovely people what it is? You get yourself a Strops guy. You get yourself a Hot Peak. Go 50-50 and enjoy the most refreshing, strong beer you've ever had. <laughs> Did you, did you did you experiment with the levels or you just went 50-50 because it was uh, just the, the most obvious place to go with the mix? I was tipped off by a expert in the uh, mixology business. I see. <laughs> yeah, it was a bartender at Blake Street Tavern. But uh, they they turned me on to it and I've, uh, I've never turned back. And you know, on Twitter, everyone who's tried it has loved it. So maybe the people who don't hate, don't like it, just don't tweet at you, Ryan. All right, we got the strawberry sky. All right, Drew's got it. Do you have a mixing glass there? I was just about to ask about methodology here. I didn't. You just have to pour them both in your mouth at the same speed. No, that's not how that's gonna work. (laughs) Why didn't we go live? This is. Are we sure this isn't gonna work? It's like making it okay, a proxy, right? <laughs> He's got one sip of one, one sip of the other. No. <laughs> oh, the no. surprised face. Not, not bad. 
would yes. recommend. Let me just yeah. real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. We got him. <laughs> you know, um, it was fantastic. It was. Drew loved it. And not only can you get awesome beers from Breckenridge Brewery, you can also get amazing food at the farmhouse and you get $5 off using the code DNVR. And plus, as the draft is fast approaching tomorrow evening, they're going to be doing NFL draft night grab bags. So definitely check out our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery for all of that stuff. But how's everyone doing? The draft is tomorrow. We are practicing and getting ready for one of the biggest days that we're gonna have in the company with all of us working together on DNVR Draft Day Live. I just started getting the butterflies, like the pre-draft butterflies. I'm, I'm so excited. You know, we did the podcast today before we did our rehearsal and just talking about the possible scenarios that might come up, I'm just, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. Uh, maybe they trade up. Maybe they trade back and stock up capital. Um, no matter what happens, there's a very good chance the Broncos are going to add a very good player to their roster tomorrow. And I'm just elated. I, I'm so excited to see what can happen when we all put our minds towards one live show. I think it could be really, really awesome. Yeah. Right. Okay, if you had to guess, do you think that uh... – <clears throat> You think we'll get a lot of like fireworks in the, do you, are you hearing rumblings about a lot of trades and things happening? Well, yes and no. Um, a lot of experts, draft experts have said they think it's going to be a crazy draft um, with people reaching on certain guys based on what we, you know, on the outside think um, with, with trades and whatnot. But John Elway the other day on a conference call with us said, he thinks it's actually going to be more calm. He thinks it's going to be less. Um, he thinks that the technical air, uh, the technical issues and whatnot that might come up might preclude teams making trades. My question in all of this is what is different here? Why is everyone so worried about this? You know, yeah. if John Elway wants to make a trade with John Lynch on a normal draft night, he's still at Broncos headquarters. He takes out his phone and he right. calls John Lynch. What changes about that? I zoom? Think the, well, maybe <laughs> they don't have to Zoom. I know. It's true. They really could just use the telephone. There's really been zero technical errors that have come from a telephone call in the past uh, 80 years. I yeah. think what an article that I read that is the concern, is, or not concern, but things is different, is normally you're in a room with a lot of other people and you have a lot of other people's inputs on things, even if you have your gut feeling, like let's say John Elway didn't have his star quarterback and, and there's Tua right there or there's Joe or there's these things, maybe he would have gone for it instead of listening to everyone else that he has in his ear. It's just going to be him. He's obviously going to have communication with his other people, but at the end of the day, it's just going to be him in the room making the decision. So less groupthink is what I heard will be a big difference in this year's draft. Yeah, I mean, I guess you might get more GMs kind of going wayward and just doing what they want to do rather than consulting their defensive line coach and their offensive coordinator and all that stuff. They might just say, you know what? I want this guy. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's definitely going to be an interesting one, but we have a lot, a lot of things planned and it's going to be fun but speaking of John LA we're just going to jump right into the first topic and let's start with Drew who is your goat 
your greatest of all time in Denver and then everywhere. Wow. Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I told you, we're really <laughs> jumping in. Oh, we're, this, oh just is this in all sports? Just that? The first one will be in Denver. In all your sports. sport. All sports. Oh, all sports. Okay. All and then sports. the second one will be anywhere in sports. Well, I mean, it has to, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many different answers we're going to get here for trying to be somewhat objective about this. It's like John Elway and John good for you, but <laughs> the man won two Super Bowls. I mean, it's not like, and I, I very much enjoyed that as a kid. I'm not going to pretend. Uh, I mean, I, there, there was a period of time where I thought, hey, Nolan Arenado has a real chance to be the, the greatest Denver athlete of all time if the Rockies can find a way to win a World Series because Nolan's going to be the greatest at his position ever. He'll probably end up being a top 20, maybe 15 player in the history of the sport. Um, and, and so I, I thought there would have been an argument to be made there, but I mean, again, that's just kind of getting clever about it. There, there's no way to – my personal favorite player, as everybody knows, is Carmelo Anthony. But that's a whole – but he's not the GOAT. Like, that's a different question. Okay, so your GOAT of Denver sports is John Elway. What about yeah. in every other sport? Like, just the greatest athlete of all time, in your opinion. This one's harder. Uh... Should we do a round and then go to that one? Or do you want to – yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a little. Give, give me a minute to weigh my top couple options on that one, and let's go around the table on on Denver first. Okay, you mentioned uh, Nolan Arenado for a second, and I do. It was his birthday the other day, and I thought it was really cool to see players from around the league just talk about Nolan's talent and all this stuff. Andrew McCutcheon tweeted, scouting report when facing the Rockies, don't hit the ball towards Arenado unless you want to make a right turn. So I thought that was pretty funny and cool to see all other athletes like appreciating Nolan's talent. Yeah, it's tough to stand head and shoulders above your peers in modern sports at anything. And Nolan stands head and shoulders as the clear best third baseman in baseball probably ever. And he's even been endorsed by the other people who would be in that conversation, which makes it more of a slam dunk case. And people are like, no, Brooks Robinson. You're like, yeah, but Brooks Robinson said it was Nolan Arenado. So, you know, I don't know. Do you think, Drew, uh, do you think that Nolan has cemented himself as the greatest Rocky? Not if he leaves. Well, yeah. No, it's it'll still be Todd Helton, and and it'll it, it, it that's an interesting conversation in and of itself. Like Todd Helton versus Larry Walker. Larry Walker is the most talented, is the best player to ever put on a Rockies uniform, but he played for other teams, uh, where Todd Helton spent his whole career in Denver and has all the franchise marks and all of that stuff. So, Todd Helton is Mr. Rocky. Larry Walker is the most talented who's ever played, and Nolan had the chance, and if he stays here the rest of his career, has the chance to be. <laughs> Both of those things. I hate how past tense here. Uh, <laughs> such a bummer. It's, it's a little different now. So you think even if Nolan stays, let's say, two years and makes it pretty far in the playoffs, he wouldn't be the greatest Rocky of all time? No, he'd have to stay the rest of his career. But if he stayed the rest of his career, he could probably pretty easily be the greatest Rocky of all time. All right, AJ, who is your greatest of all time in Denver sports? Um, I mean, I think it's probably LA. I just think he did so much for the sports scene in Colorado, you know, 
without without the impact that he helped have on the Broncos and and elevating that franchise to where it is. You know, do the do do the Rockies even come to Colorado? Do they even get the Avs? Like, does does Denver become the sports city that it has become without what John Elway brought to Denver? Just the success and the the spotlight. And, you know, going to going to a whole grip of Super Bowls really helps elevate a city. And I just think without without LA, we don't know what that looks like. And, you know, maybe maybe Denver ends up more like a Kansas City, you know, with one or two sports instead of what it is now. Has Joe Sackick, like, is he approaching John Elway? Like, if you look, they're both, like, very successful GMs. They both have two championships under their belts. Mm -hmm. Is the difference really that Joe Sackick plays in a less popular sport in Denver and he doesn't have the same boisterous, uh, you know. He doesn't have the same magnetism that Elway does. uh, And obviously playing in a lower-profile sport in Denver. You know, if if this was Toronto or Montreal or something, John Elway would be. Like John Elway played list. for the Alouettes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it would be like cool. But, I also keep going, AJ. Um, I, I think with Sakic, he's got to win. He's got to win the chip as a GM as well, and he's got to have that golden era as a GM because right now it's like, hey, he's built a good competitive team. He has salary cap space. He has draft picks. He has all these different things. But until you have the hardware, you're still you're still searching. And I think he could he could end up the most successful because as players, Sakic uh, and, and Elway each had two championships. Each was an MVP in, in one of their championship runs. And I think that I think I think they are they are very close, but he needs that championship uh, as a GM first in order to get on that level. But even even then, you know, um, had he played had Sackick played his entire career in Colorado and not like seven years in Quebec first, then we might be looking at it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I think the most talented athlete to ever play in Colorado was probably Peter Forsberg. Oh. But the 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 Av that will kind of go down as like Mr. Av is is Sackick. And then you have two guys right now who maybe even three who could who could all push for that in the future, you know, where this this era of Colorado sports is dominated by like a Jokic and you know it should be an Arenado and then you have McKinnon, McCarr and Landeskog all kind of competing for that next that next like generation and, and, and Vaughn obviously is already there. Uh is like the next one, like the next the next golden era of Denver sports. Yeah, it really is crazy that we are in that next golden era of Denver sports. We're getting to live it and cover it. And even with our goatees last year, so many young prospects, exciting prospects. Then you have all of these players who are really have a lot of star power in them. And you can just wait to see like who they become. Like looking back in time in a few years, (laughs) we're going to think about these years and how this was the start of the golden era. Hopefully the accomplishments follow um, the buildup and the hype that has kind of arrived in Denver. You Definitely. mean like more goaties? <laughs> I, I mean like multiple parades. Like oh, yes. we're talking about like How competing competing parade routes with the Nuggets and Abs <laughs> converging on each side. It's unsafe. Yes. Too many parades. So, so do you think that uh, do you think that Sackick is a better GM than LA at this point? 
they've kind of gone different. They, they kind of went different directions because Sackett had a really rocky start. And then he's gotten, he's gotten to the point where other teams, and I know this to be true for a fact, there are other teams that are nervous about taking his phone calls. Because if Sackick is interested in a player, then that team needs to reconsider moving him. And so when Colorado calls, they're like, hey, this has been one of the model front offices in the NHL in the last several years. If they're calling us, we need to do another, we need to double back on our evaluation of someone. Interesting. And so Sackick has kind of developed that, that reputation in the NHL. But until until like needs to needs to win uh, another division because the one division title he has as GM was that really fluky weird year with Wa, where they won on the last uh, last day of the regular season because St. Louis lost their last like seven games in a row. Needs to win another division championship. Needs to get to a cup final. Needs to win a cup. But um, I would say if I was if I was trusting a GM with a franchise right now. I would probably have Elway third in Denver, <sighs> just just based on just based on a non Peyton Manning track record. Yeah, right. I there's mean, one thing here though, and that is if John Elway's able to get the Broncos back there again. You know, yeah. obviously well, they're then, on the right track. Then I mean, then he's if if he does it without Peyton, then you're I mean you're not only talking about like a historic GM career in Denver you're talking about an all-time GM career in the NFL right yeah that's what I mean it's like not John Elway has a chance if he can build this team correctly oh yeah go down as the best player and best GM in the history of Denver sports one I've told I've told Andre this but I think that this draft uh that starts tomorrow is probably the one that will determine exactly how how special this group that they've built is and how much of a championship contender they will ever be under Drew Locke. I think the next five years of Broncos football is probably determined in the next three days. Which is funny, especially because John Elway had a lot of hate towards him in the last few years with his um, decisions in free agency and some of his draft picks, especially in 2018 that most of that was it 2018 or 2017 that most of that class 2017 most of that class is not on the team anymore or were complete busts 18 and 19 uh gave our reasons for optimism and it's why that it's why they're even kind of a competitive nfl team today if he follows it up with a third draft class that matches the caliber of the last two denver and kansas city are going to be going punch for punch uh for the next number of years in afc west uh, title competition he's got and, those butterflies and it's gonna be it's gonna be great like it's it's this is this is as important a draft for the broncos as last year was for the abs when they got byram and Newhook, who a year later have set them up to be the dominant nhl franchise for the next seven years it's pretty and that's pretty where the broncos just, are today yep it's pretty crazy like the implications of these drafts you know some people think we overhype them and no there's too much wrong. media attention to it it's like these things determine the future of teams so one of, one of the main reasons why the broncos are in this place in the first first place is because they didn't do a good job drafting even when they had peyton manning they missed on a lot of picks it's just a guy like peyton manning is able to cover up a lot of those issues for you and then you'd miss on two more drafts after that 
and you put yourself in a deep, deep hole. Now you're digging yourself out of it. And I think the funny thing here is just how much a quarterback determines how everyone looks at their job. When Peyton Manning's here, everyone looks like they're doing a fantastic job. No one's calling out the ownership dispute. No one's worried about anything. Everyone thinks John Elway is amazing. Peyton Manning leaves. All of a sudden, John Elway sucks at it being a GM. And the ownership dispute is one of the reasons why the Broncos aren't winning. And it's just like everything comes down to the quarterback in football. Drew Locke looks like he's the guy. To me, I think he's a star. And when that happens – then John Elway goes right back to being an incredible GM and the Broncos are an incredible franchise and et cetera, et cetera. And I think you're seeing that switch like happening with the Rockies right now. Not many people had a lot to say about um, Jeff Bradich the last two years that they made the playoffs, but this one off year has really, I mean, to Rockies fans credits, there has been a lot of things that have gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't just a moment. It, was it wasn't just a moment. There's <laughs> been a lot of different things, but really the hate on Breitich and just the team not doing well and, and all this stuff has really turned on. Did you hear about that, Drew? No. I, no <laughs> you know? Did that happen? About, about uh, yeah, well, and the, and the parallel there to what RK was just talking about is the starting pitching. You know, when you've got good starting pitching, you, you look smart, you win games, and, and the heat isn't going to be turned up as much, even when there are things to criticize, to be sure. Um, but you win 91 games, you win the wild card, you make steady, progressive. You know, they were winning more games every single year under Breidich, and then one year – Starting pitching is terrible. It's hurt. Some of it's just flat bad. Uh, a lot of other things kind of fell apart in the bullpen, but it was, you know, largely the same team. And uh, it just happened to be a completely awful season. And, and now people are ready to – and then, you know, that was before the Nolan. But people were, were done with Bright Edge kind of oh, yeah. before the Nolan stuff. And then well, that happens, and it just lit a fuse out of the whole thing. Again, I think it uh, – like we were talking about earlier, it goes back to moves during free agency. I mean, the draft, obviously, um, with the Rockies – is a lot longer process different than with the other teams, but with free agency and moves not being made, I think that's when fans have started getting really annoyed and really angry with bright edge and even players. I mean, Nolan Arenado has shown frustration with not making certain moves during free agency. I was going to say, I've been thinking a lot of uh, recently just about how, um, there's like these long-term plans, like these big things that you think about and like the, the long-term narrative and how things change in just one second in time, like an injury or a draft pick, like somebody gets taken off the board and you make a knee-jerk reaction, you pick somebody else that you maybe hadn't thought about as much. And, um, you know, for the Nuggets, when they they freaked out and they got rid of the pick that turned out to be Donovan Mitchell, they turned into Tyler Lydon and like, and Bradley Chubb, like, gets hurt in one second uh, last year and it, just the ripple effects and, and, and how it changes everything. And like, it's, it's not, you don't always have the indication a pivot point is coming, but the draft to your point, RK is that moment. Like that's why there is all this lead up. It really means a lot and it happens in one second and you just don't know what the implications are. Completely. And that's, what's so exciting about this is like, man, all it takes is is one great pick, and you're off to the races. You know, like, for me, it's Jerry Judy. If the Broncos get Jerry Judy. I'm saying, like, they're ready to compete for the playoffs this year. Um, and so if you miss the pick, though, it's 
it, the, the implications, especially when you're a team like the Broncos who are trying to rise. It's not like the Avs who are looking to go from being good to being great. The Broncos are looking to go from being bad to being good. And that makes the implications of these picks so much higher. You cannot miss. If you miss on this first round pick, you're setting the team back two years. So, I have a question about wide receiver though. Do, do we, are we not, have we abandoned the idea of Tim Patrick rising up to be that, that second wide out? Uh, I never was on that. I, I just never thought about him. <laughs> but by the, but by the end of the season, I don't know. He was like really impressing me. He does a couple things well. It's just he's not well-rounded enough to be a legitimate number, number two wide two, receiver. Yeah. Deshaun yeah, Hamilton is the same four. type of guy who, like, you know, Deshaun Hamilton can get into the middle of zones and find open spots and make, you know, chain-moving catches. Drops. But it's just not a guy you can count on to to be your second option or even your third option out there on offense we're jumping all over the place but going back to the draft and how important and how you can't miss this moment right now ryan do you think they're gonna have to trade up because from the mock drafts that uh, we've done and that you guys have done it looks like the wider there's a very good chance wide receivers most of them are gone and same with offensive tackle are gone by 15. Yes, I do. Um, I think there is a chance that they can sit back at 15 and wait and get a good player. I think there's a chance that they can get that. But to me, it's that just was like, inspiring like I, as hell. Just, <laughs> you, just uh, let everyone and let to know that they could get a good player. I just want everyone to know that. Yeah, I mean, it's a pot like. It's just too risky for me. Like you, we just talked about how important and what the implications of are this of this first round pick, and yes, the whole draft, but especially this first round pick. And if you get an elite player, you're going to elevate this team instantly. And I think Judy's that guy. So I think yeah, if you want him, you got to trade up to. If you want to make sure you're getting him specifically, you got to get up to eight, in my opinion. But if you want to make sure you're getting a very good player at a position that you want to attack, then I think you got to go up to 10 with the Browns and just get ahead of that run because there's a lot of teams between 10 and 15 that want wide receivers and tackles. So to me, you got to jump up and, uh, and block some of them out. It's interesting because I'm seeing all over the timeline, obviously there's three elite wide receivers that will go um, in that top 15, but this wide receiver class is very deep is is the jump really that different if you don't get those three guys and one of those three guys? Yeah, and this is this is an interesting place for the Broncos to be because they have a wide receiver one. Like Cortland Sutton can be a wide, a good wide receiver one in the NFL. So that's where I think they actually have the flexibility to be a little bit patient here. Um, I believe after those first three wide receivers, you have a ton of guys who could be very good wide receiver twos and. That's okay if you're the Broncos. If you get, you know, um, a Justin Jefferson uh, later in the first round or maybe you trade back or whatever, like he can be your wide receiver too next to Cortland Sutton and be a very, very good one. To me, I'm just trying to paint a picture of the Broncos have two wide receiver ones, you know, a Julio Jones, Roddy White type of situation where you just don't have the guys to cover Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Noah fan and you've got Melvin Gordon coming out of the backfield it's like you start to build an offense that can actually be feared 
which is almost incomprehensible knowing that even halfway through last season, the Broncos offense was absolutely just abhorrent. So to me, I'm, I'm thinking, what if you had two wide receiver ones instead of thinking, how can I get a wide receiver two to complement Cortland Sutton's wide receiver one? All right. Well, before we keep going on, who is Eric's greatest of all time? I got to let you guys know about Denver Rubber Company. They are the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. And with everything going on with COVID-19, DRC remains open to supply products to other essential businesses such as medical, military defense, government, wind energy, and food and beverage industries. So if you're in one of those industries, don't forget to call Denver Rubber Company for any of your needs, 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR. All right, Eric, who is your greatest of all time in Denver sports? Uh, I mean, it's tough. Like, I don't, I really don't know how you can say anything other than John Elway. Like, I don't know how you can say anything other than John Elway for the great, just the cultural impact. Uh, John Elway, the restaurateur. John Elway, the car dealer. <laughs> John Elway, the local commercial star. I'm out. You're losing me. Every time you ask something to the risk, you're losing me. <laughs> uh, it's, just, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that if you just wanted to count the number of jerseys owned for one specific player in the city of Denver, I don't think it's even close. You know, if you want to, if you want to like, uh, you know, try and diversify this and talk about the world of basketball, um, probably the, the best, the greatest nugget of all time, Drew, take the, your earbuds out, is probably like Alex English, you know, maybe David Thompson. Yeah. Certainly not Carmelo Anthony, unfortunately. That's Nikola Jokic. It's, it's, it, it, Nikola Jokic, it in my be. mind, is, is en route to becoming that. Uh, I don't know if, again, culturally, regardless of what he does, uh, if he could ever usurp John Elway for being the, the biggest and most important athlete in Denver. Um, Nicole Jokic to me is the most, like the most lovable uh, like athlete that I've ever encountered. Like he's just so dopey and makes no sense, but he's so skilled in a way that it just makes me smile every time I watch him play basketball. But also he's like the most polarizing uh, Denver star that we have and, and that I can possibly imagine. Like he's so loved and revered by those who love him and then so easily dismissed by people who don't like him or just don't want to give Denver any sort of credit for having uh, talented basketball. I think um, a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with Jokic. When you say a lot of people, do you mean you specifically, Ali Monroy? <laughs> <laughs> he can just be frustrating sometimes, and there's no denying that. He is a great basketball player. He is obviously incredible for the Nuggets, but there's just some times where you want to just shake him. <laughs> yeah, you I can't. Like... <laughs> you can't shake him because he's a baby. <laughs> you do that to babies. No, you can't shake him because he's a giant sequoia, and it's he's too... He's He's no, you, you can't shake him because his older brother would murder you. Well, that's yeah, probably too close to home, right? <laughs> this got dark. This got very dark. Or, okay, beat you up. Still, so, so. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, so, I, I sat near uh, his older brother at a game, and oh my, he is an intimidating fella. He sure is. I, I've seen him, I see them walking around Pepsi Center every now and again. Every time I'm like, that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV, I'm always like, oh! 
<laughs> I, I, I don't ever, I, I can't uh, say their names correctly, and I don't know which one is which, but <laughs> they are unmistakable. Like it, when walking around the Pepsi Center, they're just like big hulking guys with crazy tattoos and ten uh, rings on. <laughs> yeah, like very Eastern oh my God, European so many style. Rings. They also, they straight up look like bodyguards just roaming the halls. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting when 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 I sat next to him, um, he called Jokic. Oh, you sat next to him too, right? Yes. Do you know if it was Nemanja or Strenja? The no. one that has the Joker tattoo on his hand. Uh, I think that's Nemanja. I think so, too. Um, <laughs> but he called him Yoki, which Yoki. I, I thought was a great little nickname. That's like a, that, that feels like a, a hockey nickname where you just put I-E on the end of any <laughs> start Joe of Steve. any name. <laughs> Josty. It Betsy. drives me crazy. <laughs> so stupid i, I was love asking, it so much what do you think that is do you think that's like because it be it's easier to scream things no, like that because with, hockey players can't read <laughs> i think uh, as someone who's a partner with a hockey player i can confirm that that's true <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know it, it just rolls off the tongue easier like especially with maybe it's just because we're used to hearing it but with like a canadian accent it just sounds so good when they say like <laughs> Oh yeah, like Josty oh. over there. Oh, Josty over there. Oh. I think that was that Irish that I just. Said? <laughs> yeah, but don't you think that that, yeah, that probably accent. comes from the fact that you have um, guys with like names that have six consonants in a row uh, that come from parts of Europe that you didn't know existed before, and Canadians and Americans, and they're on the ice and they just have to say like, "Hey, Josty, pass the puck," or you know. It becomes like a. There's actually like some utility to these cutesy little names that they say. Uh, all I know is they're fantastic, and I love them all. <laughs> That's my beef with. Uh, there's so many hard names in hockey, and when certain people mess up the easy ones, I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Rudo was awful with names. It's honestly, it is. It's very entertaining watching him try and read a name for the first time. Uh-oh. <laughs> Um, a fun story before Rudo uh, w- worked for DNVR and was one of our coworkers. I don't know whose name I was looking up, but I just found this YouTuber and I clicked on it and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I guess that's how I, uh, you say his name. And then I think I went to another source and AJ called me back and I was like, oh, it's this, right? And AJ's like, no, like, this YouTuber said it. Like, why was it wrong? <laughs> wrong with this guy little did i know good old rudo you know what also is difficult uh with pronouncing those names is typing them onto graphics that (laughs) oh the spelling errors very difficult very difficult nemesnikov yeah nemesnikov it's fine it's it's spelled just like it sounds (laughs) yes spelling is yes um most of them most of them are like rantanin doesn't cause any kinds of problems right Certain people add to, like to add a little accent to Rantanen. Yeah. Rantanen. Yeah. Who's that? Who is that announcer on NBC that always says Rantanen? He he pronounces no other names in their native tongue, but it's always Rantanen. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, AJ? Or you're always watching hockey? You don't care. I watch broadcasts on mute so that okay, I keep well, myself <laughs> so on brand. <laughs> okay, Ryan, are you just going to say John Elway again? 
Uh, I actually was going to change it up. I think the GOAT okay. of Denver sports is Chris Birdman Anderson. <laughs> Get out of here. That. We were on a stream. I would have just meeting. kicked you off. It was right there in front of our faces the whole time. I mean, you guys have said it all. It's John Elway. <laughs> Okay. Look how defeated he is. <laughs> the Bronco, the Broncos guy can't talk about. We've already talked enough about how John LA is the goat in Denver sports. But okay, then let's move on to just your goat when it comes to athletes. Should we go in reverse order, Ryan? Are you ready? You have someone? No, all these guys had like an hour to think about it. Okay. You had an hour. You knew Ew. the question was coming. I had to think about what I was going to say for Denver sports this whole time. You did not. Oh okay. And the uh, worst part is that you, if you can't think about deferred. more than one thing at a time. You might be a hockey player. <laughs> all right. AJ, how about Cody. you? Who is your goat? Uh, I mean, it would be. And be like, oh, no. You just went from muted to unmuted to muted. Hold on. Does it work again? Yes. We're good. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why it was telling me, uh, it was saying it was changing my device. So anyway, it would be very on brand for me to say Wayne Gretzky, but I'm going to go with Jesse Owens. Okay. I, think he was the great, I think he was the greatest athlete ever. Why? Because he was just singularly dominant in a way uh, in a way that very few athletes ever have been. And given the time and the era and everything that he had to go through in order to be that, that special of an athlete, it just enhanced his dominance. Drew, how about you? Who's your goat? Okay. I know I've had a long time to think about this. <laughs> you were the first one. Dude. It's like what you say before delivering a report, a report you didn't work on. Well, and I, I was so torn. No, I'm, I'm actually, it, it might just because I've been thinking about it a lot recently, but I'm going to take Jackie Robinson oh. as the GOAT. Um, and, and, you know, in so many more ways than what he did, obviously, on the baseball diamond. It's a little bit of a Jesse Owens, you know, I'm, I'm pulling in some, some real life there. And he was just a very important person as well as being a very important athlete. But he was also an incredible baseball player. He uh, took one of the losingest teams one of the worst teams of the era and uh in a year he was the most valuable player they won the world series in brooklyn after being uh, a joke for a long time so it's also you know i think a lot of times his story gets caught up and he broke the color barrier and he was really good but you know all these other people would come along later it's like no 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 he like it just on the diamond, almost single-handedly changed uh, a franchise that it, that had been known for losing. And uh, uh, yeah, extraordinary, extraordinary player. The other one I was thinking was MJ, but whatever. I'm going. And, I'm, uh, <laughs> and our our athletes are connected. Yeah. So, right. Right. Because, because uh, Jackie Robinson's older brother was the guy who had the silver medal behind Jesse Owens in the 200 meters in the 36 Olympics. Hmm, that's not a connection that I knew existed. I thought you which would have been that. Mac Robinson, his older brother, uh, actually ran the 200 meter faster than anybody had ever run it before, and got a silver medal because Jesse Owens beat him by four tenths of a second. It's impressive that you know that off the top of your head, unless you're looking at a Wikipedia page. <laughs> no, AJ knows all of these really good facts. Yeah. I don't There's know. I can see one, the too. reflection of AJ's screen. Yeah, hope, yeah let me see. Oh yeah, do you want to do you want to do you want to see my Zoom meeting reflection? 
<laughs> Drew, talking about Jackie Robinson, we we had it on our movie bracket. Were you a fan of the movie Forty Two? It's all right. It it, yeah. it could have yeah. I mean, it could have been better. It's a baseball movie. It's about Jackie Robinson, so it's not bad, and it's well acted. Um, you know, I, I do like uh, Harrison syrupy. Ford as as Branch Ricky, but yeah, it's a little syrupy. It's hard to tell that story accurately and and fairly and really let things sink in and have it be like PG thirteen. Yeah. Uh, some really horrible things were said and done to Jackie Robinson and to his wife. Uh, that that really could not be depicted in the way they decided to go about that movie. Yeah, it should um, not have been a Disney movie. Yeah, that's that's a tough place to tell that story. But for what it was, I think it did a a decent job. Um, uh, I think if you really want to know a lot more about it, you should check out the Ken Burns documentary. Uh, they talk a lot about it in there. One of the things they talk about with the Jesse Owens connection was that Branch Rickey even used that as an argument. Like, hey, we can do this. Uh, look what Jesse Owens is doing on the Olympic stage. Uh, and he knew uh, about Jackie Robinson through his brother and through that connection, went and found him, went and watched some of those Negro League games. Uh, Branch Rickey also invented the farm system. And so he had a place to go and put him to, to stick him for a year while he kind of worked the media and, and allowed to soften it up. But Branch Rickey was really, really super smart about making that happen. Um, mm, one of the founders of the analytics too, right? Exactly. Early, yeah, an early adopter, like the guy would keep spreadsheets and, uh, and track guy statistics long before any of that thing, any of that stuff was going on. And both Jesse Owens and Jackie Robinson are great examples of like sports showing market inefficiency, how ridiculous racism is, because it's like, all right, let's put us on an even playing field and see what happens. Oh, turns out the color of your skin didn't matter. And that was the whole argument to be made. So it, it just makes all the sense in the world that a guy who was like, into just measuring the analytics and statistics going like, you know, I think we can win more baseball games with this guy at first. Turned out he was right. What could have been with Josh Gibson? Brutal. Josh Gibson might legitimately be the greatest athlete who ever lived. And most people don't know his name. The guy hit over 800 home runs in major league quality baseball games. He's the real home run King. He's the real Babe Ruth. Like, that guy legitimately might be the best name that wouldn't have gotten mentioned. So I'm glad. That's the, literally the first time I've ever heard that name. That <laughs> <laughs> man, because it's, he was incredible. If you've heard of Satchel Page, um, he's the hitting version of that, except for his stats aren't made up. Satchel Page says he won 2,000 baseball games. Like, nah, bro. <laughs> nah, bro. <laughs> nah. Like 700, probably. All right. Well, was anyone else going to say MJ? Because I think with you were. Okay. We'll just jump to you, Eric. He's in my top three. (laughs) Got to say it. Especially, I feel like it's really cool to have uh, the last dance going on right now and getting to see just a little bit of more detail of his whole story. Yeah. I mean, it definitely could be recency bias, but, um, you know, Michael Jordan, again, it's funny, like the two selections you guys made have a lot of like political and social implications outside of just being incredible athletes. Michael Jordan, not as much, but he's just, he does have a lot of cultural implications in that um, Mm -hmm. people just wanted to be associated with Michael Jordan. Like his, he made Nike. He uh, controlled the NBA in such a way that he just quit because he got bored. 
he just decided to play a completely new sport because it he was no longer motivated by how easy the game had become for him um and not only that like if if you watch him play and you actually watch his skill on the court um you know adam and uh brendan always talk about you know that the elite athletes in any sport sort of just move differently than everybody else you can really just pick out them amongst the crowd because they they're just not like others not like other people and their body doesn't act the same way and michael jordan was absolutely that his his body control was so supreme his um his body itself it was just like his proportions are perfect outside of his hands which are gd enormous um and the way that he's able to sort of just move in and out of the lane and in between people and sort of uh um, not only you know compete complete acts of skill which is he can hit mid-range shots at any point from any place without any problem but then also he has the the which is sort of like the Kawhi Leonard uh comp but then he also has like the super freak athletic of like a Russell Westbrook uh being able to just jump from the free throw line and, and throw it down and the super athletic plays that you see that he makes all the time but that wasn't even what his game was all about I mean he just was so supremely in control of a game which is just so difficult to be good at um and you know i mean it's funny because you know depending upon who you talk to people don't even necessarily consider him the greatest of his own sport yeah um but i mean that's just what sports are about right why you know lebron james comes into comes into Mm -hmm. the conversation kobe bryant comes into the conversation Uh, obviously it's it's a lot of it's just based on biases and and things that uh, are out of his control but um i think a lot lot of of that also comes from timing like there's so many people who don't know mj's story that are going to get to see it a little more because of uh the last dance and like I feel like some of the younger generation like knows MJ, but doesn't like know his story as much. But see, and that's that, you know, a lot of it is like you, <sighs> the greatest has a lot to do with, like you're saying, when they played, what it meant at the time, how they stacked up against everybody else. Did they change the game, the foundation of what the game was, what people could expect from it? Um, <clears throat> you know, NBA, again, like the, the Nike shoe line that became, um, ubiquitous with just ev- what people were wearing on the streets. Like it, it, he changed how people dressed. I mean, that, yeah. that's, uh, you know, that, that can't be overlooked. And it's not that, you know, LeBron James, for example, is just an amazing athlete. Um, but he doesn't, he it just does not have the same cultural impact at the time. He's not, it's, he's not as cool. Yeah. I, I don't know that, I don't know that I would agree that he doesn't have the same cultural impact because the entire player empowerment movement starts with LeBron. And the I, way that's that still they, within basketball, though. That's yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't think that it is. Or sports, it's within sports rather I, than okay. going that's, into that's your fine. home. But like, uh, I think he is. LeBron has had an amazing impact on the player empowerment uh, aspects side of sports, and and the way that that has changed how sports operate, just on a fundamental level. So, no. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on MJ as number one. I just, you know, LeBron, pretty insane too. And I do agree, Allie, about the timing because none of us really got to see Wayne Gretzky play. Yeah. And, like, Wayne Gretzky's singular dominance in hockey. It's unbelievable. It's, I mean, it, it really is. It's, it's like a video game. 
Well, yeah, when like, you look at his stats, they don't even make sense. Right. The guy, the guy, you take away every single goal that he scored in his entire career, and he's still the all-time leading scorer in the NHL in NHL history. Every single goal, take away all of them, and he's still <laughs> the leading scorer. There's no other athlete that has anything close to the kinds of records uh, of Gretzky. It's, it's funny we're talking about this because this morning, uh, the fiance and I were talking about Gretzky and his records, and he he retired with something like like sixty one NHL records, uh, and today only one of them has been broken since. Unbelievable! It's like absolutely crazy. But it's was- he lacked the cultural impact, and he didn't really change the way that the game was played. I don't think. And the uh, the the only people who think that he's not the greatest player of all time usually go with Bobby Orr or Mario Lemieux. And they're doing it because they're trying to be cool. But, like, it's just accepted that he's, like, the god of hockey. What was his top season in terms of points? Like, we, like, highlight uh, <laughs> Nathan McKinnon for, like, getting 100 points. Like, that's the, that's the barometer. It's like, oh, like, 100-point season. That's a great, great season. But, like, I feel like uh, Gretzky had, like, something absurd one year. It, well, yeah, he had a number of absurd um, – you need like 180 points or like 160 yeah, points or something. Yeah, it, was, it was even more than that. I think, <laughs> I think, I think the highest he ever had was a 212 point season. <laughs> and he was just, I'm sorry, 215 points. Oh my uh, God. He had four seasons with what? more than 200. He had <laughs> four seasons with more than 200 points. And if you look in the, Top scoring seasons of all time. It's so ridiculous. I'm in the top, right now. Uh, hold on, yeah. In the top eleven of them, he has nine of them, and Mario Lemieux has the other two. Uh, so, like what? his singular dominance <laughs> of like, like a just raw, incredible, like absolutely face rolled the entire league year after year after year after year. Like that guy got like four other dudes into the Hall of Fame, like. He was unbelievable and unmatched in the way that, like, the statistical dominance, no athlete will ever touch. You know what's so – the craziest thing about him also, outside of these point totals, is that he's just, like, a little guy. He's just, like, a, like a, little, like a little guy I, that you I, like literally, next to. I literally ran into him at the draft in Dallas and was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and part, of it, part of it was, like, he's just, like, a normal-sized human being. <laughs> the season that he had 215 points, he had 163 assists, which would put him in 10th place all time for most points in a season if you just took away his all of his goals from that year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he has the record. He had a 92-goal season. AJ, who, what was the high – who had the most points last season? Do can you find um, that? Yeah, Kucherov had him had the most last season. I think he had like 128 points. That's literally nothing. <laughs> so, yep. which all time would have been next page? <laughs> uh, it was fifty wow. third all time. His 128 point season. Get that, and Jackie Robert. He smoked everybody else. The uh, Jesse Owens stuff off your Wikipedia page. Time to turn. <laughs> that is crazy. I I really do think ti- like I don't know. Obviously, we're all sports lovers and nerds and all that. I would have taken a class in college that 
you got to learn all about certain players and the history of it all because so many like my little brothers like they know MJ they know like all of these guys but they don't really know their story I feel like I'm learning more and more with those two episodes of MJ's story than I ever did know with just little things like what was going on with the bulls and all of that I feel like having these are so important yeah. for you to really know the impact these players have. Yeah, yeah. As the elder statesman here on the uh, on the pod, like you just don't, like MJ was everything. He, he was in. I mean, LeBron James is is everywhere, but like MJ was everything. He was. It's like people were getting were lining up around the block to buy his shoes. He was releasing movies. Like everyone, he, it was just. You couldn't. He was in every commercial. He was just absolutely everywhere, and he was well, everything at that he, moment. In time. He was like he like single handedly changed marketing. Yeah, he did. and and then you know, the, 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 wasn't he the guy that said Republicans buy shoes too? Yes, like like yes, he was. He was just like. That's the funny thing. Like that's the difference. The difference between <laughs> your two picks and MJ is that he was like stoutly apolitical. Like he yeah. would, he didn't. He didn't use his uh, cultural impact to, to speak on any cultural issues to try and sort of break any barriers that way. He just was cool, and people did what and, and wanted to follow him. Um, but it, it, you know, it, just what he did spoke for itself, and it just was pure sports all the time. Sold around. a lot of shoes. Yes, he did, <laughs> and continues to. Yeah. Oh yeah, didn't they release a new shoe during the Last Dance? I would guess yes, if they, if, if uh, I, capitalism oh, is still. I believe they did. <laughs> you think MJ's going to miss an opportunity? <laughs> Quickly, I, you just need yeah. to know that Drew's been chasing his <laughs> yeah. hot peak with Strawberry Sky this entire podcast. When you, you say chasing, he's, he's pouring them in at the exact same time. He's really, it's like making an epoxy in his mouth at the same time. Wouldn't it have been easier to just get a glass? At this point, Drew? You would, I would have to get up from this table and leave this <laughs> conversation. And I wouldn't want to miss any of Eric's remarkable points about... I don't know what is Eric said. I haven't been... <laughs> 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 uh, All right, God. well, if you have a good time like Drew's having over there, definitely check out Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. It's right there in the name. You can get some Rick Brews. You can get some tequila. You can get some wine. Um, they are doing curbside pickup or delivery. They have two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. So definitely check them out. These guys are locally owned and have a massive selection of products and definitely need our help like every locally owned business in, in the world right now with everything going on. So please, like we've already mentioned, help supporting them supports us. So definitely go check out Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits and let us know if you go there. All right, Ryan, what about you? Who is your greatest of all time? So I guess I want to highlight the fact that this is, this is specifically for me. Um, and I think there's some great candidates that were mentioned here that I easily could have gone with. But one of the things that I value most when it comes to great athletes is who picks their game up the most when things get when when the competition gets more stiff and when the most important moments arise. And at least in my lifetime, I think the person who has done that the most also in a sport that I adore and has done it in a sport that is individual is Tiger Woods. Um, mm. 
it was just, you know, his run of dominance was really when I was young and golf was my sport and seeing someone just be able to take his game to another level in those major tournaments and then take it to another level above that on Sunday in those major tournaments was just so amazing to me. You know, all of these guys have that characteristic, but, and this is not to discredit Wayne Kretzky in any way. Wayne Gretzky can't have 163 assists in a season unless there's someone on the other end putting the puck in the net. And so I'm saying guy got Yari Curry into the hall of fame. Right. <laughs> he has, he, totally. he, he got, he got multiple dudes into the hall of fame because he was that damn good. Well, sure. I mean, but and talking he still about needs M- them to finish it. He can't finish it himself. Talking so what I'm about saying MJ, is, we saw that in, in the documentary too with Pippen. Yep. MJ needed Scotty. So you always need someone else. And that's one thing that I think is amazing about golf is like, Tiger Woods had to do it all by himself every time. And there was, they literally started changing courses. They changed the layout of courses to try and tiger proof them because he was dominating the sport so much. Like it would be like them making the the rim smaller. So Michael (laughs) Jordan couldn't make as many jump shots or Steph Curry couldn't hit as many threes. They had to change the layouts because it was just too easy for him to dominate. So they were, they were tiger proofing courses. Yeah. His dominance was just it was just awe-inspiring to me. What he did to Pebble Beach in 2000 was criminal. Oh, my God. It was so amazing. I remember uh, I was actually out on the golf course that day, and it was uh, before you could just check scores on your smartphone. So when I got home, um, my parents' friend was over, and he's like, did you see what happened? And I was like, no, I didn't. And he's like, oh, you want to uh, you want to see who won? And whoever was in second place, he had scrolled and made it so they were first. And he was like, yeah, like, here's what happened. I'm like, what? Where's Tiger? Like, what happened to Tiger? He's like, he scrolls at the top. He's like, oh, yeah, Tiger won by, like, 16 strokes. <laughs> Absurd. Well, then even also just thinking back to him winning last year and, like, the amount of people who said – like they had tears in their eyes watching him as hug his son, like just after a lot of things that he'd gone through to come back and win uh, his fifth masters. Yeah. And a lot of his problems were, were self-inflicted yeah, and, and that shouldn't be overlooked. And he's certainly not the, uh, the goat <laughs> off the course, like some of the guys that you mentioned by any stretch <laughs> of the mind. But when he was in that middle of that run of dominance, that was just incredible to me. And, and, not everyone knows that golf is kind of my sport of choice when it comes to participating rather than watching. Um, so to me, that was pretty incredible. I also think that uh, since we're going to, since you brought up individual sports, um, I think that the tennis world right now, yep. four, four of the greatest tennis players of all time are currently active Yep. Um, with, with Djokovic, uh, Federer and Nadal all going at it on the men's side and Serena Williams just being, completely unstoppable for two decades mm-hmm. um for her to for her to go out and casually win a grand slam not long after giving birth was just yeah like, she is okay incredible. serena we see you good lord like, you've people, now done everything to everybody what pregnancy really does to your body and all of that stuff like that is amazing first off, yeah. do you understand no, I have not had a child, but I do know and understand certain things a little more than maybe other people do. This is a good rebuttal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love that she did something. She had an accomplishment that no man can ever uh, can ever have. You know, it's true. 
talk about winning championships and this and that, but no one can ever claim that other than Serena. Yep. Definitely. Well, with the DNVR watches coming up and AJ having to go watch the Avs take on the Red Wings for game five. Yeah, game five, unfortunately. Oh, oh no spoilers. Just... Right? Come on, well, man. No. <laughs> I'm this is the worst part about the NFL draft scheduling is that we have to wait like a week for game six. Oh, I know. Because game six is one of like the all-time classic avalanche games in franchise history. And we have to wait so long between five and six. Yes, that is a good reminder to let people know that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we do not have any DNVR watches because we are putting on a grand production for DNVR or DNVR Draft Day Live. Just messing it up. Ryan, why don't you talk a little bit about exactly what that day is going to entail, those two days? We're going to have everyone on board, uh, a full graphics team, videos, guests, cutaways, uh, everything you could possibly imagine we're going to be doing with this stream. I mean, we're basically approaching this as if we were the ones doing the draft, you know, like if we were the ones hosting the draft at DNVR, this is how we would do it. And we're doing it with our own little spin on it. Obviously we're doing it uh, from a quarantine state where everyone <laughs> is in their own homes, which is going to, you know, just put another kind of a uh, personal touch on the way we're doing things. But this is going to be incredible, and, and we we are taking it extremely seriously or as seriously as we ever take things here because we like to have a lot of fun. <laughs> but it's going to be fun, uh, and I think that it's going to be the best Broncos-centric draft coverage you that anyone has ever seen. Yeah, I really think the key there is Broncos-centric. Like, you can be watching ESPN, but they're not going to be talking about why Detroit getting Jeffrey Okuda is going to affect the Broncos or little things like that. Like, it is all Broncos talk and why it affects the Broncos and what ways, how it's going to help the Broncos and all that. So, it's going to be fun. And like Rand said, all of us are involved, literally all of your favorite people. We've got the Avs beat, the Nuggets beat, the Rockies, all of our graphics team. It's going to be all of us just hanging out, watching the draft, talking. So definitely yeah. check that out. 5.30 p.m. on Thursday. Then on Friday, it is 4 4.30. 4.30. Oh, it was a little off there. Good thing. <laughs> and just quickly, you can tune in on Periscope, which, of course, streams directly to Twitter, uh, Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitch. Eric, I felt like you were going to say something. Before. Oh, I was going to make a rude joke towards Drew, but then I decided to oh. pull it back. Well, now no. I'll say, I, you were saying all of your favorite personalities are involved, and I don't think Drew is involved, so I think that's, that holds true. No, <laughs> Drew is involved. I will be doing things. Oh. I, I will. Okay, so then, then my rude joke would be uh, all of your, personal, your favorite personalities are involved, and Drew. All right, guys. Next week, we will be back to normal posting TDSP, the Denver Sports Podcast, on Fridays. But this week, with the draft and all, we wanted to give you a pod earlier. We've hit a few really awesome topics. Definitely go leave some questions for us. And we will see you guys next week.